I want to invite you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke 24. The Pew Bibles are on your tablets or smartphones. And while you're doing that, I want to um, just say, I hope it does your heart well. It does my heart well. I see all these kids up here for our children's ministries, and I appreciate you all supporting them with their, their dollars every week. Um, it goes to a good purpose, but it also involves the children, and they like doing it. Uh, my kids look forward to uh, running around in first service or walking quickly in first service and, uh, and collecting the gifts, so thank you for that. And I hope it does your heart well to see our young people up here um, preparing to go out on mission trip. And uh, I thank you for your support of that as well. I hope it does your heart well to see some of our young adults, many of our young adults up here in the choir. And we'd like to see a lot more of all ages up here in the choir. Uh, there's some people that say, I can't find a seat sometimes at church. Well, you know, um, there's a few right up here. So, uh, so we'd always be glad to have you. But we have some tremendous things. And of course, our Pathfinders are going to be doing their Hat for Herald mission in the very near future. And I know some of you are already thinking about your pledges for that mission opportunity. You'll be hearing more about that. So we just praise the Lord for what you do. And to see all these generations uh, participating together is a blessing from Jesus. Amen. It's the way the kingdom is going to be. Not one generation or this or that generation, but all of us working together. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. This is two of followers of Christ about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is the conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened wherein these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. With the death of Christ, the hopes of his disciples perished. They looked upon his beaten and bloody body. They looked upon the, the spit that had been cast upon him, his matted hair, his pierced hands and feet, and they were in anguish. They looked at the piercing in his side and saw the blood and water flow out, and they didn't realize that this was a symbol of, of, of him dying for their sins, but rather all they saw was despair and anguish. Overwhelmed with sorrow, they, they could not recall the words which she, Jesus had shared with them over the course of, of their three and a half year journey together. The, the words that he had shared in which he had told them that this very thing that he was doing was that thing which would give them ultimate salvation and life. When they looked at the cross, they did not see power in the cross for their lives, but rather they just saw a defeated friend. They failed to see the power of the cross for themselves and rather saw simply a power that had overcome their friend, the one they hoped 
that would redeem Israel. Now all the followers of Jesus at this point in time, all they saw was a future of despair. Even after the Sabbath in which Jesus had rested and, and had laid in, in the tomb, even after there were rumors that, that Jesus had, had risen again, still the followers of Jesus had lost hope. We were hoping that, he, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping that he was the one who would redeem us. They were hoping, past tense, their hope was gone. To the cross, the cross of them had been a victor over their friend, not a victor over their sin. When the tomb was empty, they failed to believe. On the first day of the week, turn your Bibles to John 20. John chapter 20. When the tomb was empty, even then they still failed to believe. Verse 1 and 2. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Mary Magdalene, who had just days before seemed to profess a sense of profound faith in who Jesus was when she anointed his feet and anointed his, his head. Now, in this moment, she sees no hope in the empty tomb. Rather, all she sees is a missing friend. The two on the road to Emmaus, Mary Magdalene, they were still stuck in that place where the only power the cross had was a power to kill their friend. There was a space that existed in their minds between the cross and the empty tomb in which all hope had been lost. It was a space that was, was darker than any other space they had been in in their lives. They did not realize, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, that 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 the cross is the power of God to those who are being saved. They did not realize this. And they were in a dark and empty space. They, separate, they felt separated from Jesus, not realizing, as Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, in Christ, they who were formerly far off were now being brought near by the blood of Christ. They did not realize this. All they saw, all they knew is that they were living in that space of despair where the cross and the empty tomb only represented darkness and emptiness to them. Darkness so deep. Darkness so deep that, that when even Jesus spoke to them in person, they at first failed to see him. Continuing in John chapter 20. Verse 11 and 15. Verses 11 through 15. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to him, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Her misery was so so deep and so encapsulating that when two supernatural beings were sitting in the empty spot where Jesus had lain, she still, it still did not give her any hope. She was still in a space of darkness. She goes outside from the tomb 
Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Her grief was so deep, her despair so large, that even as Jesus talked to her, initially, she failed to recognize that it was him. Her eyes so full of tears that she could not discern the figure of Jesus there. Others, when they saw Jesus in the flesh, face to face, they, they thought, well, maybe he's an apparition. They thought he was some spirit of some sort, something they were, they were just seeing with their mind. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 again. Verse 36 through 38. Luke 24. The men from Emmaus who have now realized that they were talking, they believed they were talking to Jesus, they, they come to tell the other disciples. And as they were talking about these things, verse 36, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, in a room, suddenly Jesus appears, peace to you. Peace to you. Jesus stepped into this room and these, these men that were filled with despair and anguish and hurt, Jesus came into this moment to speak peace into their life. But what was their reaction? The Bible tells us they were startled and frightened and thought maybe they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Even when Jesus was right before them, doubts arose in their hearts. That space between the cross and the empty tomb was so dark, they didn't believe that the cross and the empty tomb could add power in their lives. They had forgotten all the promises of Jesus while he walked amongst them. They had forgotten that Jesus told them that he would die, but in three days he would be raised back to life. They, they saw the cross had power, but they didn't realize the type of power that it actually had. Even when their friends testified to them, even when their friends said, we believe Jesus is truly alive, some of them still couldn't believe. Again, John chapter 20, verses 24 and 25 John chapter 20, verses 24 and 25. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus had, had seen the Lord, when, or when, when the other disciples had seen him. They said, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, listen to what he says, I will never believe. I will never believe. What a strong statement. Even though his friends, even though his colleagues said, no, we saw Jesus. He said, unless I can touch his hands and touch his sides, I will never believe. For many hours, all the while, they might have been rejoicing of a risen Savior and the power of the cross to forgive their deepest sins. And yet, in the garden, Mary had stood weeping. When Jesus was right beside her, Mary stood weeping, not realizing that it was him. Her eyes were so blinded by tears that she did not discern him. And the hearts of the disciples were, were so overwhelmed with sorrow, they were so consumed with the grief that they felt that they did not believe the angel's message or the words of Christ himself. In the classic work on the life of Christ, Desire of Ages, the question is asked, how many are still doing what these disciples did? How many echo 
Mary's despairing cry. How many fail to discern the words and the voice of Jesus? I ask now, how many are stuck in that place between the cross and the empty tomb? How many of us, maybe even in this room, know about the cross, know about the empty tomb, know of the risen Savior, and yet, like the disciples, we continue to live in doubt and in fear and in a lack of assurance of our salvation. How many of us still fail to see the power of the cross to save each and every one of us, no matter how deep or how dark or how miserable our sin in our lives have been? How many of us, when Jesus steps into the room and says, peace, be still, still live with fear and doubt? I ask this because of my own life experience, the things that I've experienced in my life. A couple weeks after my birthday on a Friday afternoon, on a January Friday afternoon, a significant, a significant negative event very negative event happened in my life. Something that really has impacted my life since then. Let's say the young people don't think that decisions when you're 15 or 16 or 17 years old just go away. They continue to impact you beyond that. But I remember it was a Friday afternoon because, because I went and played nine holes after school. That's right, in California you can play nine holes of golf on Jan in January. And so I went and played nine holes of golf after school a common occurrence on Friday, we got out at noon, and so we'd often go play golf. And I won't get into what took place, but I also remember that it was Friday because that night, although I had no interest in the things of God or hearing anything about God, I found myself at a required Vespers uh, for the Loma Linda Academy Choir, something that we were told we had to be at, and so I was there. We should be careful not to knock some of these required worships and think that God can't work even in the midst of those because I know that God was trying to work on me that day even at this mandatory required worship that I didn't want to be at. Well, I was there and, and while I was there at this worship, I was there with this darkness hanging over me, this fear from, from what had happened earlier in the day hanging over my head, uh, this, this worry, this angst, this literally inside of me was ach aching and I felt physically sick. All I wanted to do, to be honest with you, I'd already begun doing drugs by this point in my life, and all I wanted to do was go home and get high and just try to forget about it, all of it. But there I was sitting in the room, and a senior by the name of John Henderson, I was a freshman at the time, stood up, and he was, had been invited to share something with the choir at this Vespers, this Friday night worship. And I still remember where he stood, and I remember where I was sitting. We were in a very large house, some, some very someone's very large house and I was sitting on this fireplace a stone mantle thing and not too far away from John and I remember listening to him as he as he shared about the power of Jesus to change our lives about how much Jesus loves us and how much Jesus cares for us and 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 what Jesus had done in his life and how Jesus wanted to do that for all of us I heard him share about how how Jesus forgives anything and everything and and Jesus can make us make us feel at peace I remember as John shared that my, my heart was moved, I couldn't have articulated that 
in this way at that, at that point in time. I couldn't have, have, have said that. I wouldn't have understood that aspect of things. I sense Jesus through the Holy Spirit saying something to me. Again, I wouldn't have recognized that at that time. But I sensed that, that Jesus was saying to me, Chad, I can do this for you. I can take care of you. I can protect you. I can love you. I can give you peace from this fear and this angst that is going on in you. John finished what he said and he made an appeal at the end for anyone that needed prayer to, to raise their hand. Anyone that needed prayer to raise their hand. And, and I remember wanting to raise my hand, but I doubted. But I doubted. As best I could, I remember telling Jesus, I'll figure things out and then, and then I'll get back to you. I doubted Jesus' power to love me. I doubted Jesus' power to protect me. I doubted Jesus' power to forgive me. I doubted his power to, to, to care for me, to give me peace over this angst. And so though I wanted to raise my hand, I sat there with my hand in my lap, not believing that the risen Savior really rose for me, that it could be true for me too. How many fail to see that Jesus is close beside them, but their tear-blinded eyes do not discern him? How many fail to, to hear as Jesus speaks into their ears, I love you, I love you. Anything you've done, I can forgive. Any mistake you've made, I can forgive. Any protection you need, I can provide it. How many fail to hear that? How many do not discern and understand? How many of the professed Christians in this room still doubt their own salvation through the power of Jesus? How many of us in this room that know about the cross that know about the resurrection, that know about Jesus' continual intercession on our behalf, still doubt that Jesus is powerful enough to save us. How many of us still think that we have to figure it out, that we have to work it out? Jesus was close beside me, speaking to me, yet I refused to believe. That night I shed many a tear in my room and, and, I, and I look back on it and I believe with all my heart that Jesus was trying to reach me. But I resisted. My tear-blinded eyes did not discern him. He spoke words of comfort to me, but I did not, I refused to accept that the cross was powerful enough for even the things that I had done. And because of that, for the next two plus years, I chased Satan further and further down his rabbit hole. I have many a time thought back on that and I've wondered, how much hurt could I have saved myself? How much hurt could I have saved my family? How much hurt could I have saved some friends in my lives and others and that were damaged in the course of my decisions over those years? What could have been different in those next couple years if I had just believed the voice of Jesus in my heart on that January night in 1994. 
What could be different about your life if you left here today knowing without a shadow of a doubt that the cross is powerful enough for every situation in your life? What could be different? What could be different if all sinners might know that the empty tomb is not something to be fearful of, but something to have hope in? This weekend, this is the Passion Weekend. Tomorrow is Resurrection Sunday. Last, yesterday was Good Friday, the day we remember that Jesus died for us. Today is the perfect day for us, however we came in, to say goodbye to doubt, to say goodbye to fear, to say goodbye to trying to do life for ourselves. Today is the perfect day for us to say, Jesus is all and all I need. Today is the perfect day to recognize that, that there's nothing that you can do that can save you. There's nothing that can give you more assurance than surrendering to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to pull out your connection cards at this time. These cards that were in your bulletins, go ahead and pull those out. Guests and members. And there on the back of your card, it says, my response to today's sermon. I know this is something that is real even within our midst, even with our denomination. First one, I struggle with the assurance of Jesus' love and forgiveness. That's something you struggle with. I want to check that box because I want to pray for you because I think a lot more people struggle with that than we realize. I struggle with the assurance of Jesus' love and forgiveness. Do you struggle in believing that Jesus and Jesus alone can save you? Do you struggle with believing that, that, that the power of the cross is, the cross is power to those who are being saved in Christ Jesus? Do you doubt The next one, I need Jesus to give me strength to acknowledge my wrongs and turn away from my sin. I know that sometimes and at times in my life even there's been times that, that, that one of the, the reasons for my lack of assurance is because there's a part of me that lacks that I will have the strength to turn away from my sins. And so I think to myself, if I can't turn away from my sins, then how can Jesus accept me? So we ask Jesus to give us the strength to acknowledge our wrongs and to turn away from our sin. Not our own strength, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We turn away. Turn away. The next one, I believe the cross is enough. Do we believe that? Do we really actually believe that? I believe the cross is enough. Not being a Seventh-day Adventist, not going to church on Sabbath, do we believe the cross by itself is enough? Not by spending time daily in my devotionals, not by praying daily. Do we believe the cross is enough to save us and give us power and victory? All those things I believe in doing, I do them every single week. I, I, I think we should do all of them. But none of those things will save us. Do we believe the cross is enough? Not staying faithful in my marriage, not, not raising my kids just right, not making sure they go to a Christian school. None of those things 
will save us. It's only Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and I. And that is enough. Do we believe that? That that is enough. Some of you may in here may need to be baptized. This weekend is about, is about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When we are baptized, we are symbolically acknowledging that, that we believe that in Jesus Christ, we can new, be new people. We're buried in Christ and raised anew into new life. I need to be baptized. Then maybe someone in here, pray for me, I'm struggling. Maybe someone in here, no matter what I say, just like that preacher when I was 16 years old, no matter what he said, though I wanted to raise my hand, though I wanted to say, yes, Jesus, I, I need you, I still lived in that doubt. If, do you need someone to pray for you? Do you need someone to pray for you? Check that box. Folks, today is the perfect day to say goodbye to doubt, goodbye to fear, goodbye to trying to do life by yourself. Today is a good day to recognize that the power of the cross is not for the person sitting next to you. It is for you as well. Today is a good day, is a good day to walk out of here with full assurance in our heart that we are saved, that we are saved, that we are saved. Let us pray. Jesus, Lord, as we come to you now, I pray that every single person in here, whatever they came in with, whatever sins they may have in their lives, they can be the most grotesque of sins. Jesus, your arm is not too short to save. Jesus, may they know that they can have forgiveness in you. Jesus, there may be some in here that have been struggling and they just think, there's no way that I can change. Jesus, help them to know that through your power and your strength and your work and your effort, they can be new. It's not by works so that none of us can boast, but we boast solely in the power of Jesus Christ who is able to change even the most wretched heart. Jesus, I pray for those in here who think that because they've lived a certain way for so long, that's good enough. Help them to know it's only through Jesus Christ that we receive your salvation. Lord, bless us and may we sing, may we sing with the assurance that we are saved because of Jesus. Amen.